It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 380 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called regulators it is october 7 2022 and this is jen i'm going to start off with a little bit of diablo immortal because i had something kind of weird happen so during season four i actually had enough platinum to make a diablo uh dark clan called uh shattered soulstone it's on the soulstone server which seemed like an obvious choice when this game launched and so i made a clan and i just waited until i had enough platinum to do it And that's what I did. And then I picked the focus for the clan to be working on contracts because those are fun. And because I just started the clan and I didn't really have anybody in it yet. And I hadn't really mentioned it much at all. So I got that. That was during season four. And I put a video of all of my Diablo Immortal stuff that comes out good. Sometimes it's like, okay, nothing interesting happened. Forget that. But most of the time, if it's interesting, I'm like, okay, I'm going to put that over on my YouTube. The YouTube is Book of Jen, which matches the name of my website. You can find all my Diablo videos there if you want to do that. So I got sick, and then I got busy on work stuff and other stuff, and uh, Season 5 rolled around, because I did this clan thing in Season 4. And all of a sudden, I'm not a shadow anymore. I'm like, okay, what happened to my clan? So I had to go through and talk to the guy in the bar, the mysterious something, and go through and do like some of the little sort of challenges within the dark clan area and all that. And I got my clan back. I got my, or my, uh, Yeah, my Dark Clan back. It didn't disappear or anything like that, but it was kind of a shock to say, oh, okay, so there's a new lottery for getting into the Dark Clans, and I was like, I thought I was in it. I have a clan. What's going on? So I'm not sure if it's still, like, accessible or not, but I'm just going to see what happens. So I was not expecting that. I don't know if anybody else had a problem like this. Maybe I'll play a lot more than I do. I don't know, but... That's that's a thing. That's a thing that happened. ABK has been uh, writing some stuff on Twitter, as one would expect them to do. So on October 7th, they wrote, ABK Workers Alliance is one of many campaigns under code underscore CWA that will be participating in Extra Life for Kids this year. Help us fundraise for a good cause and solidarity. You know, it's a little blizzard solidarity, blue heart kind of thing. That's how people are using it. So that's pretty cool. Uh, obviously, a better ABK is uh, the ABK Workers Alliance and Code CWA is campaign to organize digital employees in the in tech games and digital industries with the CWA union. So there's that. Um, I think Extra Life for Kids is a really good cause. So I'm not sure exactly how they're going to fundraise. I didn't really see anything attached to that tweet, but... It looks like if you sign up for it, you can help children's hospitals and things like that. So that's a good thing to do. And then, as you may have noticed, um, Overwatch 2 kind of had a rough start. And there was a DDoS going on. And 
all of this kind of stuff. And on October 4th, when I think it was supposed to launch, uh, a better ABK, ABK Workers Alliance tweeted, Happy Overwatch 2 launch day. Have fun, be kind to each other, and remember the world could always use more heroes. If you see workplace discrimination or abuse, don't be afraid to speak up. And somebody else asked a question about that and said, So I gotta ask, for those of us that love the games but do not want to support abuse, what do y'all recommend? Do the devs want people to boycott to hurt the execs? Or would they prefer people still play the games and bring awareness to the abuse? And a better ABK responded this way. We're very proud of the work we put into our games, and we hope that hard work doesn't go to waste. If you, like us, are rightfully disgusted by the workplace abuse and discrimination that you hear about at our company and would like to support us, the best way is to amplify our collective voices on this account. And also, we are GWA and we are GWA Albany. So there's a little bit more of that thread, and there is a GoFundMe and it's organized by Jessica Gonzalez. That's not new. That's been around since 2021. So you can help them out with that as well if you choose to. Bonus Roll Productions, which used to be called Warcraft Radio until fairly recently, is still doing a giveaway. Uh, this tweet by them was posted on October 7th, which is today. And it is the last day to enter the Dragonflight beta key to get a beta key for that. Um, it's a World of Warcraft thing, obviously. I don't know a heck of a lot about it. But uh, the way to do it is you can go to Bonus Roll Productions and enter to get a chance to win one of these keys by highlighting um, leaving a review for your favorite shows on their podcast directory. And today's the last day, so by the time you're hearing this, it's probably done. I hope you got the thing if you wanted to do the thing. But Shattered Soulstone is on there. Um, if you want to leave a review there, you can do that or not. It's entirely up to you. So let's move into Microsoft here and some stuff going on with regulators, which is the title of this show. Microsoft posted this thing titled, Our Vision for Gaming, More Choice and More Games for People Everywhere. And they have a bunch of gamers at the top of this. So one of them is a young woman wearing a pink tie-dyed shirt with a butterfly on it and some chain-looking uh, chain earrings that are very shiny, wearing a headset, smiling and using, it looks like a, a console controller kind of thing, and looking at a laptop looks very happy about whatever's going on in that game. And then there's uh, two people. Um, I should say the first person looks Asian. The next one has two people and they have brown skin. One has very short blonde hair and the other has pink hair. And they are both looking at a phone, like they're trying to play a mobile game or learning how to play a mobile game together. And then the third one also has an Asian man wearing a green shirt. He is in an, like, it looks like he's at his house. There are some college textbook sitting next to him and he is playing something that I'm going to guess is like a fly flying game kind of thing um, and using a controller, you know. So that's who they're highlighting at the top of this, which gives you some diversity, which is nice. So here's what Microsoft wrote. Players and developers are at the center of Xbox. We want to enable people to play games anywhere, anytime, and on any device. Mm, I don't know how much of Xbox actually works on a Mac, but 
<laughs> I'm just going to say that because I'm going to be you know, salty about that forever. To continue, and developers deserve more options to build, distribute, and monetize their groundbreaking games. When we do this, we all win. That's why we're sharing more on the industry and how our acquisition of Activision Blizzard fits into our gaming strategy. So this is a push by Microsoft, in my opinion, to make people really interested in having this acquisition go through. Okay, so they've got some stuff in here. So the first box says benefits for players. More games on more devices, including Xbox, PlayStation, phones, and online. Choice in how and where people buy games with subscription and one-off purchase options. For the 95% of gamers who play on phones, alternatives to gaming offerings from the dominant mobile platforms. Then the middle, it says benefits for game creators. More ways to get games in front of more players through support, investment, and better access to gamers. Better review and fair marketplace rules through our App Store principles. If I had to guess, it is possible that whoever wrote this at Microsoft uh, was thinking back to the whole problem with like Epic and Apple having problems about what they were going to allow, allow in terms of monetization and all that. You've probably heard about it. It was a while back, but I'm wondering if this is like saying, we're not going to do those things. And the last part of that section says, greater flexibility in payment systems and the experience they provide their fans. So this is definitely trying to in my opinion, make it clear that they're not going to do the whole fiasco like Epic and Apple did for a while. The last part, benefits for the gaming industry. More competition in mobile where a couple of big players dominate. Greater competition in traditional gaming where Sony and Nintendo will remain the biggest. Emphasis on positive workplace culture and increased local investment from Microsoft in studios and creative ecosystems around the world. Now, the thing men mentioning Sony and Nintendo will remain the biggest. I kind of feel like this part is pointing at regulators, especially the part about, you know, Sony and Nintendo. Well, they're the biggest ones. Microsoft isn't. Activision Blizzard isn't. Putting us together, they're still going to be Sony and Nintendo, the biggest ones. So go look at them instead kind of thing. I don't know how well that's going to work. I'm also kind of guessing here as to what they're trying to get across. And the part about emphasis on positive workplace culture and increased local investment from Microsoft in studios and creative ecosystems around the world kind of emphasizes that, yeah, we know Activision Blizzard has a terrible, terrible history about how they treat their workers and what they've been allowing and who they promote to a new position based on, in many cases, bad actions, I guess, um, things they've silenced, things that there was a situation where some guy, I don't remember the name in, I want to say Activision or maybe Blizzard, one of those was getting uh, bounced on out of there. And at the last minute, Bobby Kotek said, no, 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 keep him. So <laughs> maybe it's kind of saying, we're not going to do those things. Regulators, trust us. I think that's kind of part of it. There's a video in here. There's a couple of quotes in here. One is from Microsoft Gaming CEO, Phil Spencer. Giving players choice in how they play their games makes gaming more accessible and leads to larger, more vibrant communities of players. Choice is equally important to developers. Developers benefit 
from having a diversity of distribution and business models for their games. Choice unlocks opportunities for innovation and enables the industry to grow. Then there's one from Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith, who wrote, Too much friction exists today between creators and gamers. App store policies and practices on mobile devices restrict what and how creators can offer games and what and how gamers can play them. Our large investment to acquire Activision Blizzard further strengthens our resolve to remove this friction on behalf of creators and gamers alike. We want to enable world-class content to reach every gamer more easily across every platform. And then there is um, updates coming up about... um, you know, they have announced open app store principles, the intent to acquire Activision Blizzard from a while back, Microsoft and CWA announced labor neutrality agreement, all this kind of stuff. There's more in here if you want to dig into it. And um, this to me seems like a couple of things. I think overall, this is Microsoft saying, hey guys, we're not going to act like those bad companies that do terrible thing to, things to their workers. We're going to be a good company. And showing a group of diverse people at the top all playing games on you know different in different ways um two of which are using what looks like an xbox controller this kind of shows that they're going to be you know welcoming people in no matter what device they want to use or what games they want to play or who they are you know i think that's really cool i think we do as a world need to get beyond having mostly white people in every picture in every advertisement or things like that so i think this is a good representation here of a lot of different people you know i also think this is their uh way of saying to all the regulators that are questioning whether or not microsoft should be allowed to acquire activision blizzard i think this is their way of saying hey look we're not doing anything bad and i think it's also to hype people who are in favor like players who are in favor of this you know this type of thing that microsoft wants to do which is to get Activision Blizzard. And I also think maybe some people who develop games might be interested in that as well, because in some cases, maybe they're being stifled by whatever conditions, wherever they're at. So there's that. The Verge, that has recently updated the look of their website, and it feels very, like, I don't know, kind of Tumblr-ish in a way, you know, to me. The Verge isn't written in at the top in neon light green with Parts of each letter missing, which does not help my dyslexia at all, but that's their new logo, so whatever. They wrote on September 1st, Microsoft pleads for its Activision Blizzard deal as UK regulator signals in-depth review. So here's a little bit about that. It's from September 1st. I think I missed it the first time around, but it does pair nicely with the thing I just read. So Microsoft is publicly pleading for its Activision Blizzard deal to go ahead, just as the UK's Competition and Markets Authority, CMA, has expressed concerns. Microsoft surprised the gaming world earlier this year with plans to acquire Activision Blizzard in a $68.7 billion deal, by far the biggest ever in gaming. Now regulators are starting to take notice. The UK CMA says it's concerned that Microsoft's anticipated purchase of Activision Blizzard could substantially lessen competition in gaming consoles, multi-game subscription services, and cloud gaming services. After an initial research phase, the CMA is signaling it will move to what calls to what it calls a phase 2 investigation if Microsoft isn't able to answer its concerns within 5 working days. A phase 2 investigation will see an independent panel examine Microsoft's deal in more detail and 
whether control over games like Call of Duty and World of Warcraft will harm rivals. In response, Microsoft Gaming CEO and head of Xbox Phil Spencer has spelled out Microsoft's position in a blog post today. Kind of goes on from here a little bit. Farther on, while the FTC, CMA, and the European Commission are still analyzing Microsoft's Activision Blizzard deal, Saudi Arabia became the first country to approve the acquisition last month. Goes on from there, and this was an update um, on September 1st to the original article. And then you have the European Commission, um, which is actually investigating Microsoft, and it's got a thing here that says competition policy it says microsoft and it says activision blizzard they gave them a notification on sometime in september provisional deadline is something else um it's concerns economic activity and there's a couple of descriptors here it's not real clear what all this is uh one of them says manufacture of computers and peripheral equipment publishing of computer games retail sale of computers peripheral units and software and specialized stores it doesn't say much else about this so i don't know for sure exactly what they're aiming towards with that there's an antitrust thing in here but that just might be something entirely different yeah, it's something entirely different, so I'm not really sure what that's about. However, um, on PC Gamer, there's an article titled Activision Blizzard Withheld Raises to Retaliate Against Unionizing Staff, U.S. Labor Relations Board Fines. Okay, here we go. So, uh, this is written by Joshua Wollens three days ago from the time I'm recording this, uh, and I'll just read you part of it. The USA's National Labor Relations Board, NLRB, has found that Activision Blizzard withheld pay raises from Raven Software Quality Assurance staff because of their union organizing activity, the Washington Post reports. Non-Raven QA staff at Activision Blizzard were offered a suite of improvements to their working conditions in April this year. QA contract workers, a group of about 1,100 people, became full-time employees, receiving full company benefits and a pay bump that put them on $20 an hour. Raven staff were not included in this sweeping upgrade, however, which the NLRB now regards as retaliation for their union organizing activities. And the finding comes right in the middle of union contract negotiations between Activision and QA testers at Raven. QA staff at Raven voted 19 to 3 to form a union back in May this year, becoming the first union to form at a major North American game developer in the process. After initial hostility to the bid, Activision changed course, opting to recognize and negotiate with Raven staff instead. So I'm going to move on to a little more about that. Uh, what I should have put before that one is... Um, the Brazilian regulator approved Microsoft's proposed Activision Blizzard deal. So there's that one. That was from October 5th, and it's on VGC uh, News, uh, Video Games Chronicle, and written by Andy Robinson, and he wrote this. Brazil's regulatory body has become among the first to approve Microsoft pr Microsoft's proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard. On Wednesday, the county's Administrative Council for Economic Defense, which comes out to CADE, said it had approved the merger with no restrictions. Quote, Considering the huge popularity of Call of Duty, it is reasonable to infer that if Activision Blizzard games were no longer available on Sony consoles, PlayStation users could decide to migrate to Xbox or even a PC to continue having access to franchise games, part of Cade's summary reads. On the other hand, it is also reasonable to assume that if upcoming Call of Duty games became exclusive to the Microsoft ecosystem, players loyal to the PlayStation brand could simply abandon the series 
series, migrating their demand to other games available on their favorite console. It continues, despite this, one cannot rule out the possibility that Microsoft may deem potentially profitable to adopt an exclusivity strategy on Activision Blizzard games, even if a decision in this direction could result in the sacrifice of a relevant part of sales, users, and even the Call of Duty popularity. This is because, in theory, such a strategy could contribute to boosting Xbox sales, expanding the Game Pass subscriber base, and strengthening the network effects on the Microsoft ecosystem in order to offset any loss of revenue from the sale of games on the short term. The Cade verdict goes on to state that it believes exclusive content has been very important, that's in quotes, very important, for competition in the console market, and one of the main factors responsible for PlayStation and Nintendo's position as market leaders. Here's a little more. Exclusive games are a benchmark of competition between Microsoft and SIE, although no company has so far developed or acquired an exclusive game that has decisively shifted the balance in favor of a console. This is because proprietary exclusive games are less popular and represent less revenue than third-party AAA games, which until then are available on Xbox and PlayStation. It concluded, As already seen, Nintendo does not currently rely on any content from Activision Blizzard to compete in the market. In turn, Sony has several predicates, strength of the world's leading brand for more than 20 years, extensive expertise in the sector, largest user base, largest installed base of consoles, robust catalog of exclusive games, partnerships with multiple publishers, brand loyal customer or consumers, etc., which should contribute to maintaining the competitiveness of PlayStation in a possible post-operation scenario, even in the face of possible loss of access to Activision Blizzard content. So now we have Saudi Arabia and we have uh, Brazil that are for the merger. We'll see who else jumps in. Um, the Washington Post has more about the labor board thing, and that was written on October 3rd by Shannon Liao. Uh, that one's titled, Labor Board Says Activision Withheld Raises from Union Activists. So I'm sure they're going to have a little bit more than the other thing because it seems to be the source of this. Yeah, so I read you some of it just a minute ago. Um, do, do, do. I'll just start. The National Labor Relations Board has investigated and found that video game titan Activision Blizzard withheld raises from quality assurance testers at its subsidiary Raven Software, and that it attributed the withholding to the testers' union activity. Activision Blizzard is currently in union bargaining negotiations with quality assurance testers who voted to unionize earlier this year at Raven, which works on Call of Duty titles in Madison, Wisconsin. Following the NLRB's findings, Activision Blizzard and Raven Software quality assurance testers will continue negotiations around a collective bargaining agreement. If the workers and the company can't agree on terms, the NLRB could issue a complaint or, in the most unlikely case, that the company refuses to settle, the board could prosecute the case before a federal judge. Quote, it's a very preliminary win for the union at this point. It gives them a little bit of leverage, said Wilma Liebman, former chairman of the NLRB under former President Barack Obama, who said that unions often file unfair labor complaints in conjunction with bargaining efforts. It's part of their tactics, you know, hit them wherever they can to put pressure on the company in order to reach an agreement with them and to stop violating the law. A statement from Activision Blizzard spokesperson Rich George said, quote, due to legal obligations under the National Labor Relations Act, 
requiring employees not to grant wage increases while an election was pending, we could not institute new pay initiatives at Raven because they would be brand new kinds of compensation changes, which had not been planned beforehand. This rule that employers should not grant these kinds of wage increases has been the law for many years. So this is Activision Blizzard kind of gaslighting because they sure as heck could have just said, everyone gets a raise. Not, not you guys who want to have a union, you know? That, that seems like such an illegal action to me, although I'm not, I don't know for sure, but it seems like one. A June labor complaint filed to the NLRB claimed that Activision Blizzard discriminated and retaliated against current and former quality assurance testers for their union activity in various ways, including laying off 12 quality assurance testers, reorganizing the studio to remove the quality assurance department, withholding benefits, and soliciting grievances. The NLRB also found that the company asked workers to air grievances while they were awaiting a union vote back in May. It is still investigating other parts of the complaint. On Monday evening, the Communications Workers of America filed an amended version of the complaint it initially made in June, alleging that the company continues to violate labor laws by keeping the studio reorganized without a quality assurance department. It added that the company withheld raises from the Raven workers and announced the withholding was due to the union activity. So that's pretty freaking blatant, right? I'm not giving you raises because you want to have a union. I mean, that's, that's just monstrous, you know? In May, a group of 28 Raven Quality Assurance testers won its bid for a union at the studio. The workers who have organized as the Game Workers Alliance told the Washington Post they hope others in the video game industry will follow suit. Before the May election win, Activision Blizzard's president and chief operating officer Daniel Allegre had tried to meet with union bargaining members in Wisconsin. This meeting attempt was uncovered during the NLRB's testimony process. And then there's a full paragraph of Gaslighting from George, the Activision uh, Blizzard spokesperson to the Washington Post. I don't really believe much of anything coming out from Activision or Activision Blizzard anymore. I haven't in a while. I think most of you realize that a lot of this is just malarkey. So, yeah, there we are. (laughs) That's most of the article, not all of it, though. And everything I talk about today possibly with the exception of the thing I talked about with Diablo Immortal, um, is going to be in the show notes at ShatteredSoulStone.com that you can click on and read all the stuff if you want to. TechCrunch has an article titled Activision Blizzard Illegally Withheld Raises from Unionizing Workers Labor Board Fines. I'm sure that there's you know stuff in here from the other stuff. An Activision Blizzard spokesperson emailed a statement to TechCrunch, so... Um, I'm going to read you a little bit before that part. Now, the NLRB has officially found merit in the union's complaint, declaring that it was illegal for Activision Blizzard to withhold raises. The consequences of this finding will weigh into negotiations over a collective bargaining agreement between the GWA and Activision Blizzard. Despite formally winning union recognition, it can often take unions over a year before coming to contractual agreement with management. Quote, despite their best efforts, Activision's constant attempts to undermine its workers and impede our union election have failed. We're glad the NLRB recognized that Activision acted illegally when they unequally enforced policies by withholding company-wide benefits and wage increases from Raven workers for organizing, the GWA said in an emailed statement to TechCrunch. 
An Activision Blizzard spokesman emailed a statement to TechCrunch. Here it is. Due to legal obligations under the NLRA requiring employers not to grant wage increases while an election was pending, we could not institute new pay initiatives at Raven because they would be brand new kinds of compensation changes, which had not been planned beforehand. This rule that employers should not grant these kinds of wage increases has been the law for many years. Again, I feel like this is gaslighting, you know. Um, Activision Blizzard is also facing scrutiny from the NLRB for the solicitation of grievances. Prior to the union vote, COO Daniel Allegre offered to fly to Wisconsin, where Raven Software is based, to speak with workers about their complaints. But this practice is barred by the NLRA since it can lead to coercion. And then there's more gaslighting from Blizzard's uh, guy here. So yeah, there's that. There is an article here from Bloomberg... It's actually on uh, aufinanceyahoo.com because Yahoo is one of those sources that gets to bring in other news sources every so often, but they don't last long, so here we go. Uh, This one from Bloomberg is titled, Activision's Compliance Chief Steps Down Ahead of Microsoft Deal. This is written by Cecilia D'Anastasio on September 30th of this year. Activision Blizzard Inc.'s Chief Compliance Officer, who drew scrutiny over her response to sexual assault allegations last year, is stepping down as the video game publisher seeks to close its sale to Microsoft Corp. Francis Townsend, who also serves as Executive Vice President of Corporate Affairs, leaves two years after taking her role. After Friday, she will become an advisor to the board and to the Chief Executive Officer Bobby Kotek. Quote, Fran did a truly exceptional job, actually four jobs, with continuously increasing responsibilities and the most exemplary work ethic, Kotick wrote in an email shared with Bloomberg News. Goes on from there. I don't believe anything that man says. Yeah, Jen Brewer, the Senior Vice President of Ethics and Compliance, and Lucy Altman, the Senior Vice President of Corporate Governance, will fill Townsend's role. Brewer has been with the company for over a decade. The Wall Street Journal reported the move earlier Friday. Townsend previously held positions as a counterterrorism advisor to President George W. Bush's White House and a general counsel for McAndrews and Forbes. Shortly after taking the job at Activision, Townsend said she would focus on customer safety and the security and the security of their personally identifying information. She also said she would look into loot boxes, a mechanic for obtaining in-game cosmetics that is sometimes likened to gambling. In July 2021, after a California state agency complained endemic, uh, alleged endemic sexism at Activision Blizzard, Townsend's response to the claims were roundly criticized. She described them in an internal letter as factually incorrect, old, and out of context. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember that? Like, well, that's old. We don't have to care about what happened to those people back then. Over two 2000, this is from the article, over 2,000 current and former employees of the company signed a letter calling Activision Blizzard's leader's response to the discrimination suit abhorrent and insulting. Kotek ultimately took responsibility for the incident, saying Townsend shouldn't be blamed. Um, if I remember correctly, he wrote that and put her name on it, so yeah... And then we have Kotaku, which does not hold back at all on its titles for articles. This one is called Bush-era torture apologist steps down from Call of Duty publisher. Francis Townsend resigns as Activision's chief compliance officer, but will still advise Bobby Kotek. And there's a picture of her on CBS this morning, and it says it's got a little blurb so that when you look at it, it's, you know, it's a video or it was a screenshot or something of it. It is a screenshot. And it says at the top, the Trump presidency, 
And then it says torture questions, Townsend on President and enhanced interrogation. So she definitely did that. Here's a little bit from the article. In a past life, Frances Townsend defended the legal basis for the torture method called waterboarding during George W. Bush's War on Terror. In a more recent one, she helped lead Activision Blizzard's initially tone-deaf response to a major sexual harassment lawsuit by the state of California. Now she's stepping down as the Call of Duty publisher's chief compliance officer after less than two years in the position. CEO Bobby Kotek announced the move to staff in an email on Thursday, the Wall Street Journal reports. Despite stepping down from the position, Townsend will still remain an official advisor to Kotek and to Activision Blizzard's board of directors, over which Kotek presides. This shift in the company's governing structure comes as Microsoft tries to convince regulators to let it buy the publisher of Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 for $69 billion by June 2023. Uh, Here's some more gaslighting from Kotek saying how great she was. Others might disagree. Brought on board to help Activision Blizzard navigate complex global regulations, the former Bush advisor ended up being one of the faces of the company's reckoning with allegations of sexual discrimination and harassment. Townsend became the messenger for the company's extremely harsh rebuttal to a California lawsuit alleging pay discrimination, a, quote, frat boy, end quote, workplace culture and other issues. Quote, a recently filed lawsuit presented a distorted and untrue pictures of our company, including factually incorrect, old and out of context stories. Some from more than a decade ago read an email from her work account, largely defending the company and denying any legitimacy to the claims. It provoked a walkout from hundreds of employees across Activision Blizzard the following week, and Townsend even started blocking some of them on Twitter after they criticized her for tweeting an anti-whistleblower article from The Atlantic. I did see that tweet that existed eventually she nuked her twitter account entirely however the wall street journal later reported that the original email from townsend's account waving off the california lawsuit was actually drafted by kotek and it just goes on from there a little bit yep you know Uh, there is a letter here from Activision Blizzard's spokesperson, Rick, Rich George, that provided Kotaku with a copy of an email to staff regarding Townsend's departure, but he declined to, to further comment about that. You can read the thing if you want to. On October 6th, the Diablo account posted a thing that says, Diablo 2 Resurrected Ladder Season 2 begins now, bringing all new sundering charms and terror zones. And there's this wonderful demonic looking thing that with the Diablo 2 resurrected logo over it and it says ladder season 2 now live which is pretty cool if you're playing that I haven't had a chance yet the other interesting thing that the the Diablo account tweeted about Diablo 2 resurrected is they wrote join at Teo underscore 1904 as he dives into Diablo 2 resurrected ladder season 2 it's my understanding that he made it on the battle net launcher as well which is very very cool Shattered Soulstone made it to the Battle.net launcher a while back when they were highlighting streamers and podcasters and stuff. So, you know, enjoy it, Tadeo, or Teo. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be there for a little bit, and then it'll be gone, so I hope you take some screenshots. This also goes towards the Diablo 2 Resurrected Patch 2.5 Now Live. There was an update on October 7th, which is today. So here's the hot fixes and updates uh, from October 7. Fixed an issue where the find item skill was always dropping a sundering charm when used on an eligible monster's corpse. 
fixed an issue where the assassin's lightning traps were not receiving benefits from sundering charms. There was an update on October 6th. Ladder Season 2 is now live for all supported platforms. Give them hell. Also on October 6th, the patch notes denoted in red font have gone live for Xbox and PlayStation consoles. And there's a little bit more on that. I assume those of you that are into this are probably playing it right now. And I've seen a bunch of little screenshot things from the Diablo accounts on Twitter uh, with all this stuff. Um, you know, it looks fun. I'll get there if I get there. I don't know. I also want to highlight a YouTube video from EchoHack called The Occultist Diablo 4's Legendary Itemization and Build System. And it's kind of long and uh, it's really in-depth. He does some really detailed things, weaves in some of the lore or storyline in there. Not necessarily this is what the storyline of the game is, but kind of to build a mood, I think. And he does a really good job. So you can check that out on YouTube. And that's all I have right now for uh, this week's episode. I'm going to probably, um, you know, see if I can do some more Diablo game stuff today and put that up online somewhere if I get the chance. And I hope all of you are having fun with whatever Diablo games you are choosing to play or Overwatch 2 if that's your thing. You have been listening to episode 380 of the Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone in Diablo 3 and now hopefully in Diablo Immortal as well, are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page as well as the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening.